Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready? It's the Roundtable with me, Robert Bannon. Welcome to the Roundtable, everybody. My name is Robert Bannon, and we are commemorating World AIDS Day. Today is the second annual Roundtable commemoration of World AIDS Day, and we have two very, very inspiring, incredible advocates, activists, and artists with us today. Dimitri Moise and Raif Durazi are here. They are living their truth they are speaking out against the stigma and showing that your status does not define who you are. If you would like to donate and contribute during this show, we are here to support God's love we deliver. Go to my Instagram page at Robert M. Bannon or go on YouTube or Facebook and go to our show page, The Roundtable with Robert Bannon, and donate today. $10 gives a meal to somebody that is suffering with a life-threatening disease, be it AIDS, cancer, or more. And we are so very honored that you chose to be here with us today. You can go to glwd.org as well and donate to God's Love We Deliver, glwd.org. Well, I saw our next guest in Titanic. I saw our next guest blowing up the boards on theater, on Broadway, and all around with a beautiful voice, but a voice that's used for good. What a great conversation. Check it out. So you may recall a while ago, we went and did a press event for a show that was coming out called Titanic and I fell in love with it and I fell in love with the cast. And when I went to see the show, I read the bios and I read about our next guest. And then I was so moved by their journey, by their truth, their artistry. And they literally are on the board of 106 charities. I don't know how they have time, but they get the word out. They won awards. They are on every commercial you may see. I, they pop up on my television all the time. Dimitri, welcome to the round table. Oh my God, what an introduction. Because it's all true. It's That's all so true. Sweet. You are so, um, the only thing that tops your voice and your talent, which is beyond when getting to see you on stage, is the work that you do um, is so inspiring. I really appreciate that. And I am so happy to be here today. I Well, we commemorate World AIDS Day. We're donating money. So everybody, please take out, even if it's $10, 
$10 provides a meal for someone at God's Love We Deliver. And if they are are, are suffering uh, from life-threatening diseases, if it's from AIDS to cancer, just $10. You can just donate $10 and, and help someone in need today. You have made it a mission, besides being an artist and an entrepreneur and someone who speaks to corporations and schools and people everywhere, to tell the truth about your story. What was that moment like where you said, I'm going to tell my personal story and make this part of my artistry. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, so I, I made the decision to share my status uh, a little over five years ago. And it was pretty soon after I, I was diagnosed. At the time... I was working on managing uh, a magazine for millennial men of color, mostly queer men. Um, and at the time it was the, the media's only brand focused on men of color. And I got my diagnosis in the middle of like a big issue where like Tay Diggs was on the cover and like, you know, things are moving, right? Life doesn't stop, but I just could not, I couldn't function. And um, the editorial director and I were really close and I, kind of went quiet. And after a while, I, I reached out, um, having missed deadlines. And, and I finally was like, I gotta, I gotta deal with life at some point, right. And so um, I shared my status with them at that time. And they said to me, um, I had a feeling that that was what you're going to share. And I was like, I mean, why did you think that? And she, uh, and she said, the amount of people who have shared their status with me and come out to me in my lifetime, I could feel it in my bones. Um, and that has, that's always stuck with me. Um, she's one of the first people I told. So we fast forward a few months and um, we're working on another magazine. Oh my God, sorry. No, please. <laughs> there, there, oh, New York City, y'all. We, we had a visitor that, needed to be that needed to uh see the see the see the door out okay <laughs> if you're you not can, work, you don't get it you don't have to go home but you really can't stay here you really can't stay here uh we did it i think that was, that was pretty smooth okay so uh, okay so at that time um there was another magazine it was called hiv plus magazine still doing really incredible work sharing amazing stories and the editorial director who also managed that magazine said to me, so we have this um, segment coming up, and this is at the end of 2018, called I Am The First. And it is about you being the first in your family to do to anything, right? 
but you are living with HIV. And the point of that segment is not that you're living with HIV, but the fact that you've been able to accomplish this thing as the first in your family. And she said, I think that I wanna pitch you for the last segment of the year. And I know it sounds crazy, but I think it might be healing for you. And I took some time and I, I, I sat and I, I prayed and I meditated. And um, I say this often, there's like, there was a little voice in my ear, it was like spirit from above saying, um, you don't know it yet, but you're about to walk into your purpose. And when I, when I finally heard that, I said, okay, maybe I will do this and, and, and share my story. So it was, it was pretty public when I made that decision. And um, that day we filmed, uh, I said, okay, like you might end up becoming the HIV guy, but we are, we're not turning back, right? And I have been so overwhelmed with the amount of love and no pun intended positivity that has come my way the ability to share my story and know that it's affecting the lives of people here um, in New York City, but also around the country and even across the world. And that's something that I would have never imagined, um, you know, talking with you here today. Well, thank you for sharing this story because you save lives and, and you help and the stigma that is there. And I've read a lot of interviews that you've done uh, today while we were getting ready to talk and a couple uh -oh. of no, a couple of things have stood out for me. Um, right, I'm going to deep dive and go in for the deep. Your your story. Hot just, topics. Hot topic. Here we go. Hot take. The the a lot of people uh, stereotype this issue as a gay issue, as a queer issue, and are afraid to get tested, or afraid to take prep medication, or afraid to go to the doctor and talk about it because they think it's they still in this day. And I'm born in 1983, so for me. I grew up in, an, in a time where it was a very big conversation in the 90s, Magic Johnson, et cetera. The students that I teach now, they don't even think of this. It's not spoken about in the way that it was in schools. There's no after school special. There's no uh, effort put um, in, in to make people get tested and have knowledge about it. What can we do as the public to keep this issue uh, raised and, and to promote the importance of of testing and 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 of ending the stigma of of HIV. Yeah, you're right. It's really important. Um, there was a recent report that came out. Um, Glad does a yearly study of the state of HIV stigma in the United States, and this year the studies uh, determined that the least um, that the generation that knows the least about HIV is Generation Z, and um, there were a lot of respondents who who said in that survey, I don't want a hairdresser who has HIV. I don't want to have a teacher who is living with HIV. I don't even want to be in the same room as someone living with HIV. Um, and you know, when you go and look at that study, those numbers are a little harrowing. And to know that Gen Z is the least informed generation and the generations who are older than us are the ones who are most informed. Um, so to your question, I mean, I am always a huge proponent and champion of education. And something that I know I wanna continue doing in my work is passing the things on um, that I've been through, that I've experienced, that I've learned mistakes that I've made with people who are coming after me because, you know, there have been many instances where I, I you know, I'm, I'm seeing myself literally open up a door and open up, you know, open the key to 
to the you know Gramercy Park. I'm just kidding. But like opening the key to a park where literally I'm like, oh, I'm the only one who's here, and I have the opportunity to be a voice in the room and say, now that I'm here, there are communities and there are people who you're not paying attention to, who you're not focusing on, and I know those communities. I come from those communities, and we need to pay attention, right, to the most marginalized folks. Um, and so I think making sure, one, that people are educated on what it looks like to live with HIV today. Um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation as well as disinformation. But that being said, I think finding and looking up the science around being undetectable is really easy to find, right? Knowing that undetectable equals untransmittable, knowing that I can't transmit the virus to a partner when I'm living undetectably. All you got to do is know that and start your Google search. And you're, I guarantee you, you're going to find articles from the WHO. You're going to find, you know, finally the CDC is starting to, to speak up now that the WHO is like, yes, U equals U, right? Um, so get that knowledge under your belt because knowledge truly is power. And you can bring that into a space with you um, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, um, if you work with young people, if you're a young person yourself and um, you want to share this education with your peers, you know, young people are still being diagnosed at rates that are just too high. Like that's, they should not be happening in 2023. And um, I always say that stigma is the thing that is really killing us, you know, like you mentioned, um, as well as the fact that people aren't informed. And I um, remember a time that I was uh, at a friend's birthday party and her husband turned to me and said, you know, he's a good friend, but also he was like, hey, I just want to let you know, like, I was hanging out with my family the, the other week and because of your story and because of the things that you're doing, I was able to talk with them about, you know, what it looks like. He was like, as best as I could. He was like, but I knew that the things they were talking about, like, as it came up, were not correct and were coming from, you know, a biased place. And so I spoke up, right? That's like a cis white guy. Like, yes. yes, right? And so having those conversations, even if you think this one little moment where you either ask someone, hey, what did you mean by that? Or can I actually share some of the science with you? That one conversation makes a much bigger effect than you know, then you realize. Absolutely. Now, it, it would be remiss for me not to talk about, I, I read a statistic today that there are 10 million people that are HIV positive in the United States that do, maybe this is not accurate, but that are not on anti, don't have access to antiviral medication. I know that there are many charitable huh. organizations out there, like there's a hyacinth organization in New Jersey that provides it. In every state, there's resources. You are an advocate about healthcare system in this country as well, as and 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 being a, a proponent of everyone getting care. Have in your knowledge and talking and, and being a part of the, the this community, what have you found is the frustration about people getting the help and care that they need, especially when it comes to testing and medication? Well, um, I think there are a couple of things. I think when we look at our healthcare system. One, I think institutionally, right, there's a huge issue when it comes to accessing medication. I remember when I was trying to access my medication for the first time, and I even just said this in a conversation yesterday, it took me a year 
until I could finally say, okay, I'm here at the pharmacy for my meds. There's no issue. I have to constantly prove to my insurance that my uh, life-saving drug was actually life-saving. And every time I needed to get a refill, which is every month, they constantly asked, are you sure? Are you sure? We need uh, prior authorization from your doctor. This was every month, right? And I had the determination and will to know that I needed to stay on my treatment and needed to get my hands on, on, you know, on this medication. But there are a lot of people who will experience that month after month after month. And then they're just like, well, I'm done with this. I can't, I don't have time for this. Right. And so I think there are a lot of institutional barriers, you know, aside from the fact that people don't have health insurance or have terrible health insurance or are, you know, a lot of folks who um, are black and a lot of folks that um, are, who live in the South that are HIV positive, who probably fall in, in that number that you shared of folks who are um, not on treatment and should be on treatment. Medicaid isn't expanded in those states, right? So there's just no access for folks. Maybe the uh, one clinic in your community is miles away and how are you gonna, do you have the time to travel there, you know, for an appointment? Um, is it the type of clinic where someone sees you walk in and they know exactly what, why you're walking in there? Um, you know, there, there are just a lot of, of different ways that people can feel held back and unsafe and just not willing to even go there. I also think that there's a lot of self-stigma, a lot of self-denial, um, people who just don't even want to believe it or deal with it. Um, and I've seen that happen a number of times with, with friends and also folks who get diagnosed and, and don't wanna go on treatment. And something really important to, to note is when it comes to going on treatment, it is your choice, right? Like as someone who works on treatment and prevention, um, I'm always going to advocate for getting onto your treatment as soon as possible, but also, it is such a psychological journey that you have to go through where, you know, I, I've heard stories um, and I've met people who tell me like, literally, I cannot hold the pill bottle. What do I do? I can't even open it. Um, and so we really have to, to address that as well. And knowing that it's a psychological battle. And so working with that person, with your patient, your client, and letting them know, I'm advising this to you but also as someone who's here to support you and someone who wants to see you stay on treatment. Like we wanna get you on and get you to stay on your treatment. It's, it's ultimately your choice. Oh, that's so, it's so powerful. And, and you bring up a very important point, which I, which I was reading about you and your, and some of the things you were talking in, in inter interviews, families, religion, culture, uh, background plays a very big part in, in all of this. And um, the stigma, uh, especially the homophobia that's in families, et cetera, about what they've said about religion and, and, and AIDS and all of these things, that ways it, it kills people. It literally, it kills people because they won't get tested and helped. Um, what advice do you have out there to young people who may be positive, may be scared to get tested, but they're afraid of their families, they're afraid of religion or their community, to give some hope that that they there's a community for them. Hmm. Well, what I what I would say is, you know, um, I come from that experience, 
Um, I know it all too well. And what I have learned, um, particularly, you know, in the advocacy work that I do, you're always trying to power map and see where you can go around here and go. Um, I honestly had to forge my own path and, and find and find that community, but the resources are out there. And um, there are folks who are willing to help and, um, and help you get the treatment that you need. There are incredible organizations that are working on the ground um, in communities where folks might be in a, in a space where they can't store their medication in a room temperature place because someone might find it. Um, they may be a teen who is worried um, and you know doesn't want their parents to know. Um, there are there are resources out there, and there are also advocates like myself who um, you know I share my story, and so people message me um, all the time, and I try to engage in as many of the messages as I can because I know that I was there, and again, like I'm. I've been able, and I've been given this, I don't know, dark blessing to open the door for, for folks who went through what I went through and, and they, and they shouldn't have to. Well, that's so powerful. And, and your message and what you do, I know you, he's going to now leave. He's going to do 106 more interviews. He's going to talk in six different charities. Oh my God. Four commercials that you'll see during drag race. Every <sighs> single oh my God. Okay. I don't want to be glib, but it's just who I am. Um, I tell people, just because you said it, I tell people for me, like World AIDS Day is like Black History Month or Pride, where it's like, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you? I'm like, it's like the AIDS version. I, I don't have to tell you. This was, <laughs> oh my God. We just won uh, a Playbill, you know, uh, I was there. It was it was such a beautiful evening. Here's uh, the you. Titanic family that we- Oh my God. <laughs> you have used your- um, you have used your voice for work as like as much as I can, which was, was wow. great. And um, look at look at baby you, <gasps> Broadway. And you didn't tell me you were gonna do this going down memory lane. You had a little oh, memory wow. lane moment. Look at this beautiful moment, how beautiful. Oh, and wow. just looking at your Instagram, you can see the groups that you are a part of that you speak for, for vote, voter, vote plus ER and God's love we deliver and all of the things that you do, you put your money and time um, and, and and resources where your your mouth is. And it's so inspiring to to us. So thank that you. Means a lot. Thank you. Those, those are such kind words. And like you said, right, I'm on I'm on the junior board of God's love we deliver. So I'm also gonna send send out a pitch. Like Robert said, $10 gets you a meal, right? These are people who cannot cook for themselves. They can't leave their homes. They can't shop for themselves. And there are um, over 3 million meals that are going to be distributed this year to people who are gonna get those medically tailored meals just for them. And they get it every single day, rain or shine. It is such a beautiful organization. And I'm gonna have to talk to you about this because it's time that I put my money and mouth to some action as well about this subject. 10 bucks. 10 bucks. <laughs> 10 bucks, let's go. If you could follow Dimitri on Instagram so you can stay up to date because he will literally have, you know, 117 other things going on because he, he you you are an inspiration. And I am, uh, I'm really honored that you uh, stopped by and shared your story with us. Thank you so much. I'm very honored. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Also, last year, before we were here on the Broadway Podcast Network, when we were just on the YouTube show, 
we did a World AIDS Day event with Javier Munoz, and we just so happened to have Raif Durazi on the show, bodybuilder, host, advocate, activist, and blew our minds what, what Raif as able to talk about, contribute, and his knowledge. We asked him to come back to give an update, to talk about some of the stigma. You know, he found out his status in a very difficult way. He had a partner and had the partner been unfaithful and passed HIV to him. He's been open and honest about that, so I'm not speaking out of turn. Wait to hear his story, how he overcame that adversity and uh, how he used it for good. Last year, we were uh, blown away by Barif Darazi. He was a fantastic guest. We learned so much, and uh, he has shared so much of his story. He's so inspiring. A, I don't think he ever eats a carb. B, he is, <laughs> he's, he's, he is someone who's out here who is showing us that there the stigmas uh, to HIV here on, on this, you know, as we commemorate World AIDS Day, there's stigmas that there's a big, beautiful, healthy life for you. And uh, he's back. And I'm so excited to have him back. Rafe, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to have you back. When we when it was coming to this time, I was like, I need we need to catch up. We need we need the update on all things that are you. I'm sure you do eat a carb occasionally. Well, I was gonna say for first of all, that's old fake news because I've gained I gained 40 pounds during the pandemic and I'm slowly whittling that away, but I will get to the point where I'm not eating carbs and I'm ready to compete again. Okay. Well, as you know, you're a professional bodybuilder, natural bodybuilder. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And, That's right. And you have spoken, you, you, you go on your Instagram, you have competed, won titles, very dedicated to health and wellness. Was that always something that you were interested in? Definitely not. In fact, I thought bodybuilding was for the realm of those on performance enhancing drugs and steroids and big yoked looking guys that I couldn't relate to at all. Um, after I was diagnosed with HIV and consequently AIDS in 2012, it became a priority for me to regain control of my body and my health. And what better physical manifestation than to do to partake in bodybuilding? And so, um, yeah, I started out, and it was really important to me to do it naturally without steroids or performance-enhancing drugs to prove to those in my community that it is very, very much possible, um, not just for people living with HIV, but for everybody to do it naturally. Yes, it's so so amazing, and I, I, I the gym is my happy place. I'm. Well, it was a struggle the past few years. The past few years, the pandemic did a number on us all, so I understand. 
Um, I was reading a lot of uh, interviews that you have done and, and conversations that you had, and I didn't talk about this last time, but I read about it this time about your story. For a lot of people, the stigma about HIV is that it, it's always, it's A, that it's, it's a gay disease, always, it's still, it's still spoken about that way. And then there's this undercurrent about promiscuity and that, you know, there's a shame about, oh, you must be out. Your story really is heartbreaking about what happened. And how do you deal with the story and and the shame that the culture puts on this this disease? Uh, personally, I don't really give a flying uh, hoot about yeah. what other people think or the stigma that they might um, embody. For me, I think growing up as someone who was bullied for a long time, who went through depression, who had to come who had to go through the whole coming out as gay and being alienated from church when I was religious in my teens and getting kicked out of church and and just hurl after hurdle after hurdle after hurdle in an attempt to just be myself at the end of the day by the time I got to HIV and coming out with HIV was like okay well if you don't accept me for that then oh well because I've developed quite a thick skin from all the previous um, challenges that I encountered in my life so for me, it's it hasn't. I understand that that's not the case for everybody, and for most people, it's a lot more challenging. And so that's why I have my content and I show that it's possible to be positive and smiling, um, regardless of what the outside world might be throwing at you. Absolutely, and I think that's such a powerful, important message. And that's when I see whenever you pop up on my Instagram or on social media, it's just such an important, it's such a powerful, your, your message is so powerful. And, um, and I know it, it helps a lot of people. I'm sure you hear from a lot of people who, what you say and, and living your life has really inspired them. What's it like when people come to you and, and are moved by your story? I mean, it never gets old and I get messages all the time, whether it's in pri privately in DMs or comments. Um, there are so, I think, our perception of living with HIV and the HIV community is so oftentimes US centric or US Eurocentric. And we don't, well, a lot of us just don't even know, but a lot of, we don't think about the fact that there's an entire population of people living with HIV and dealing with it in places all around the world, in Southeast Asia, in Africa, in the Middle East, in Eastern Europe, uh, places that don't really get mentioned very much or have very much, if any, visibility. And certainly, their local governments aren't advocating on their behalf or creating a, a culture that is conducive to ending the, the epidemic. So I would say a great majority of the messages and comments that I do get are from places around the world that we don't think of all the time. And so that's always front of mind for me. And I'm always thinking like, how can I reach out to these communities and be a source for inspiration and help to these communities, even though they're not really represented here in the U.S. and aren't really thought of very much. Yeah, that's it's so it's so important. When I was reading statistics today about the world, and, and you know, as we you said, Asia and Africa, and we're still. And then I, I just had a conversation uh, earlier about the younger people, even here in this country, how it's not spoken about in the way that it was when I was growing up, and that there was a study done that this Gen Z is the least knowledgeable. Uh, group of people about this, about HIV and and what it's like, and now they were going back to the misinformation and misconceptions about it. What? Yeah, 
Yeah, please. It's it's kind of a double-edged sword because we we've wanted the epidemic to reach a, a place where it's not this, you know, scary dark cloud in the sky, but at the same time, once that starts to happen, then we might start to take for granted the implications of what it means to be exposed to or acquire the virus. Um, I and to your point about people thinking it's a gay disease, the fact is that more than half of people living with HIV currently in the world, and there are 40, there are about 40 million people living with HIV, more than half of them are women. So this idea that it's a gay disease couldn't be further from the truth. Um, yeah. What oh, and then also, I, I, I do want to add, because you mentioned how much things, how much of an anomaly things were during the pandemic. And especially when it comes to the community, people at large, you and me, and the science community, healthcare, government, the amount of mistrust that has has grown out of the pandemic is immense. And it doesn't affect just COVID. It, it reaches across into other things such as HIV. So now there's this, I, I find that we're trying to overcome this hurdle of new developments coming across in HIV and, and people having this automatic distrust. For example, U equals U, for, for those that aren't, familiar, undetectable equals untransmittable. That means when someone like me is on effective treatment for six months or more, and we're undetectable for that period, which means there's no detectable virus in my blood, I can no longer sexually transmit HIV to my, my partner. So I've been with my boyfriend for going on over three years now, and he's HIV negative. We don't use protection, no prep, nothing. And it's not possible for me to give him HIV. But because of this distrust that has been brewing and growing, frankly, um, a lot of people are like, well, I don't, I don't trust that. I don't believe in U equals U or when it comes to HIV cure, and we can touch on that too. Um, I don't believe that they're actually searching for a cure. I, or if there is a cure, I believe it's being suppressed because big pharma is making so much money off ARVs. So there's just a lot of distrust. And um, I don't want to like totally um, take over in the interview here, Please. but um uh, so for the past year, it's been it was a huge goal of mine to work with um, scientists and researchers in the HIV cure space. So I have the tremendous privilege of being on a community advisory board as co-chair, where every um, every month I I have meetings with just the community members, as well as the scientists and researchers that are working at the Gladstone Institutes in San Francisco, at Wild Cornell, um, in Uganda in Sao Paulo, Brazil, at all these different laboratories, they're all working towards HIV cure using a particular modality. And so we we connect, I get to learn the things that they're working on, they, we get to communicate to them how um, they might adjust, refocus their attention or that the way that they do their research, for instance, the type of language that they use, because language itself can be stigmatizing. So we um, impress upon them using people living with HIV or participants in their studies rather than subjects or patients, which has its own connotations. So I'm directly working with scientists and researchers now and then hoping to take that information and share it with my audience as well as glean their feedback and have an impact on directly on the science community as well to hopefully continue to build trust. Wow. You know, that is so, there's so many layers to this, to, to this, it's more, you know, there's so many layers to, you know, what you said about A, insurances and, and doctors and 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 the, the business of, of disease in this country in particular. And 
also the mistrust out here, the misinformation and the mistrust. You you see it with however people feel about the COVID vaccine, but you see it about you've heard the craziest things, you know, the past few years about it. And, you know, they're tracking us and they're putting, you know, crazy things um, out here. Uh, instead of getting the information to, to make people feel good or to be healthy, um, I had a situation and I shared it on the show where um, my doctor asked me to go, was talking to me about PrEP medication before I was on it. And I, I ended up getting a prescription and I'm, I'm a teacher. So I have good state insurance. You know, I, I, I pay $5 for, for medication. I went to the CVS, I picked up my prescription and they told me it was $6,200. I said, well, I can't afford $6,200. So then I went to my doctor. I called my insurance company. He, they said, write this different brand. My doctor wrote it. Talked to the, the rep from the pharmaceutical company. Gave me a card that would get me. It's subsidized. They won't accept the card because I have insurance. They wouldn't take the second brand. I needed to call and have a doctor send a letter to allow me to get the medication and it took months. And that's what the situation, and then you wonder why people don't take medication or they don't get tested or they don't trust the, because we have the medication that can help prevent it or help people to become undetectable and, and be well, and we don't make it accessible for people. That's right. And right now there are Republicans trying to ensure that health insurance cannot cover PrEP at all based on the on the basis that it infringes on their religious freedoms, which is a bunch of hooey, as you and I know, and those watching, it's 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 obvious. It's just a political move, and it's it's discriminatory against the LGBTQ plus community because that's what it's related to in in the U.S., even though that's not accurate. And then on on your other point about just trying to get access to prep um, through prescription, I, I read an article recently that Black women, especially in the South are having an immensely difficult time, and I'm talking about straight cis women, are having a, a really difficult time just getting prescribed PrEP because the doctor doesn't, doesn't want to give it to them. They're, they either are uneducated or they have the stigma or they're, they're like, you don't, you don't need it. It doesn't apply to you. You're not high risk, et cetera, even though they are the fastest growing population uh, being diagnosed with HIV in the U.S. currently. It is, it is something that is not spoken about and people have this such a misconception. Uh, um, when you, can I ask you this question? You talked about being diagnosed with HIV and then being diagnosed with AIDS. For people out here who don't know the difference, what, what was the difference and then how long did it take you to go from diagnosed with AIDS to not being diagnosed, to having HIV to now being undetectable? Yes, so I was diagnosed with HIV the week before my, um, my birthday in 2013. 2012. And then they told me to come back. The appointment happened to be on my birthday, came back. Um, the way that I was told I was sitting in the doctor's office, the door was open. This nurse walks by like six foot two plus tatted, gruff piercings, walks by, looks me in the eyes, steps back and says, Hey, you know why you're here, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, cause I have HIV. And at this point I was already like reconciled. Okay. I'm going to die in two to three years. Cause that's all I knew. Um, and he goes, kid, you got way more than that. You got full-blown AIDS and walks off. That was on my birthday. <laughs> I had no idea what that, what the implications of that were. And that's how I, how I found out. Later on, he found out it was my birthday, came back and, and was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know it was your birthday. As if um, it being any other day would justify communicating it in that way. Um, 
but once once I got uh, my diagnosis on that day, I was prescribed medication immediately, went on medication as well as antibiotics. Within, I want to say six to nine months, I was undetectable and going about my merry way. My, my, so to, to define the difference between just having HIV diagnosis and AIDS, um, AIDS, they measure your CD4, your white blood T cell count. Once it gets low enough to where it's under two, 250, 200 or 250, I can't remember. Um, then you're, and you have a AIDS related complication. So when your immune system gets that weak, you tend to have infections of any kind. If you have one kind of infection or problem that arises out of having your immune system weakened, then you, it's considered AIDS. And I had, I had plenty of things going wrong with me. Um, but like I said, in six to nine months on my medication, I was up and at them. It was pretty dramatic. Dramatic, and and then this physical transformation, and I'm sure this emotional, spiritual transformation that this has brought you on as well, and professional. I mean, you you have really made this your life's life's work, and, and have saved God knows how many countless people have have been touched and, and moved by your story. Um, and then you do make a very important point about partners and 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 your relationship. Did you feel like that was something that was never going to be for you after this? Did you ever have a moment where you thought? Does this limit my future, my personal life? Like so many people. Yeah, maybe in the first few months I thought, okay, well, you know, forget trying to date anyone who's not living with HIV. Nobody's going to understand. And uh, the transmission and do I always have to wear a condom forever? Uh, I just didn't, there wasn't much understanding there. And PrEP didn't even exist when I was diagnosed. So that wasn't even on my mind. And so I did kind of explore a few sites that were dedicated to people living with HIV. And like, uh, it was just so depressing for me. Look, like looking through people there, it's, I couldn't relate to anybody. And it was like maybe a half a dozen <laughs> options. So <laughs> it was not looking good. Uh, fortunately, I think with education and my understanding of the virus and what the implications were for me in my life, that I quickly moved past that idea and Unfortunately, like like you were alluding to, a lot of people around the world don't have that understanding or they don't believe that it's in the cards for them. I think people who are um, heterosexual find it, maybe they maybe the limitations they place on themselves is a little bit more daunting and more difficult um, when they consider being in a relationship, whether you're a male or female. I find that a lot of people struggle with that idea. I think maybe... Being in the LGBTQ plus community because we've all we all have shared trauma and shared discrimination and stigma that we we can tend to be a little bit more um, empathetic. Not always, no, but no, no, no. the tendency is higher. Yes, I, I I would hope so, and I hope it gets more and more. We have so ways to go. What is what is your goals? Uh, not not even about this subject. What are what are your goals? You know what it, you've really made this part of your platform and and your your life. Um, what what do you hope to do over the next year as we end this year or in this way or in any way, really? Well, I definitely am moving more and more into this idea of collaborating and working with the science, um, government, healthcare community to spread awareness. But so what I've noticed over the years as I've been doing my advocacy work is that there is a lot of HIV 101 content on social media, especially, which is great. And we need it and we need more of it in more places. 
And then on the other side of the spectrum, then there's not much in the middle. And then all of a sudden you have this really dense um, science kind of information. We're talking about like articles and journals of medicine, et cetera, really dense, difficult to understand about HIV. And there's not really much in between. So what I'm kind of doing with my channel now with my podcast format videos is trying to fill that gap. So I'm trying to increase the, the difficulty of what I'm talking about and, and hopefully educating our audience more and more, understanding the research into HIV cure, into how HIV works itself, et cetera. Um, because I, I find that there is, a, there is a want and a need for that type of information. People wanna be challenged, people wanna learn more and kind of elevate their understanding of the virus and what it means for them or their loved ones. And then also I'm hoping that in doing that, a natural byproduct will be you know, building that trust with science and, and healthcare because as we look further down the line into the future, if we're trying to end the epidemic by 2030, um, it's not just, it's not enough to have a cure for HIV and then put that into the world and go, here you go, all right, take it. Um, we, we did that with PrEP and it failed in a, in a lot of places, even to this day. And the reason why is because we just kind of threw things at people and said, here you go. And, and, and the community is like, what are you talking about? Is this real? Like, what is your motivation? How much is it? Do I have access to it? All these things that we didn't, we weren't working with communities on that level. And so that's why you have hiccups like you experience yourself and black women are experiencing in the South and on and on and on. And so the point of doing all this work is that we can preempt that. We can have these conversations with community members one-on-one, -on -one, um, with community-based organizations, find out what their concerns are, allay those concerns, educate people, reduce the stigma, build that trust so that by the time a cure actually arrives, everybody already knows about it, they understand it, they believe in it, they trust it, and it's just a matter of getting it into the hands of people who need it. We want to run for office. We, I'll vote for you. I'm ready. Come no on. Way. Come on. I'm ready. I'll, I'll come out to California and register to vote out there. I'm ready. Um, the work that you do truly is, you know, divine, divine. It is saving, you know, and it's giving people a, a face and a story that, it, you know, that we don't always get to see. And, and it's thanks to the courage. And I, I'm so grateful that you are so um, open and knowledgeable and you share it with us. I'm really honored that you're always, when you come on and, and I, I love having you here. Um, people want to see these videos. You want more information you could follow uh, on Instagram. If you are listening to us, go to the link below us. And if you're watching us on, on YouTube, obviously it's right here. And um, I'm ready to see what, what you have up your sleeves for the coming years. Thank you so much for having me on Robert. And it's a pleasure. We'll, we'll stay in contact as always. Yes. And to be continued. Absolutely. <laughs> there you have it. What a special show. Please support and follow Dimitri and Raif as you continue down the road. And when you think about this subject, I hope you can think about it with a new, new sight, new vision, new inspiration, maybe get rid of some of the old stigma and fear and live in the truth and facts that in this country and around the world, there are people living with HIV and we need to support them and show them love and compassion and 
treat them like the beautiful people that they are. My name is Robert Bannon. I thank you for listening to us. Sometimes our shows are really fun and silly and goofy. And sometimes there's something really serious. And I thank you for being here no matter what. Visit me at robertbannon.com. Look for me on Instagram at Robert M. Bannon. And uh, join us every single day here at the Roundtable on the Broadway Podcast Network. Or check us out on YouTube where we're live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Till next time, the best is just to come. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great one. Bye, everybody. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 